from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. I'm Charles Denny, farming with an eye on protecting the planet, climate smart agriculture, a major topic here at the Milan No-Till Field Day in Gibson County, Tennessee. That story coming up on Ag Day. Playing offense. And we gotta do that by minimizing disturbance, chemical and physical, keep armor on the soil. A new way of thinking to help you flip your soil. As signs of the changing seasons really start to show, where some people could see up to a foot, yes, a foot of snow, right now on Ag. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. It's a case of weather extremes right now across the country. From snow in the north to extreme dryness in the Midwest and still out in the west. We'll start with the snow, where Michigan's Upper Peninsula could see up to a foot of snow by the end of today. The snow started falling early Monday morning in places like Houghton, Michigan. This video taken along one of Michigan Tech University's Tech Trails. The snow, part of a larger low-pressure system spinning right now over the Great Lakes in Wisconsin as well. Ag Day Weather, brought to you by AGI Nico. AGI Nico dryers have an average of one to two pounds heavier test weight per bushel than screen dryers. They can also save you 30% on average in fuel savings. That's money in your pocket. Visit aggrowth.com slash Nico for more information. Meteorologist Andrew Wittmeyer joins us this morning. And Andrew, that's not the only system you're tracking right now that could bring some moisture. And yeah, we are tracking that one main system right now throughout the Great Lakes and Midwestern states. But later on this week and the next weekend, we could be looking at it becoming a little more active across parts of the Pacific Northwest. But check out these temperatures here as we go throughout the daytime hours today. Uh, they're going to be quite chilly across parts of the Midwest. And in fact, uh, by tomorrow morning, uh, we could be looking at those temperatures 35 in Chicago, 43 in Minneapolis. And then by the afternoon, getting up to about 48 in Chicago. 37 up across parts of the upper peninsula of Michigan, so quite the chilly air. In fact, take a look at the feel like temperature, the wind chill, what it will feel like on the exposed skin. Check out Omaha, 16 degrees uh, tomorrow morning is what it could feel like as this uh, low begins to uh, deepen further across the parts of the Great Lakes. And it's going to stick around here through about the mid portion of the week. And then we're going to see kind of a zonal pattern shaping up as we head towards the weekend before a slight ridge begins to build up across the Great Lakes area. And that will eventually lead to a trough system developing up across parts of the Pacific Northwest, giving with it a little more active uh, potential there for some showers across the parts of the northwestern parts of the country. And check out this terrific shot of a very good boy, Jake Aria of Minto, Manitoba, says this is his golden boy at the golden hour during harvest season of 2022. You can tell he really is enjoying the life of a farm dog. I'll more in your Ag Day forecast in just a few minutes. All right, thanks, Andrew. Some moisture is really needed right now in states bordering the Mississippi River. We've been keeping you updated on this as river levels approach their lowest in 30 years. Now, the problem is continuing to create traffic jams, jacking up shipping prices and threatening jobs that depend on the critical trade route. Vicksburg, Mississippi, which is located on the river, has received less than one inch of rain since September 1st. Now, last Friday, more than 2,000 barges were backed up along the Mississippi because certain points were closed. The river's basin accounts for 92% of U.S. ag exports and 78% of global exports of soybeans and feed grains. And further west, the situation is not that much better for areas that rely on rivers. 
The Colorado River Basin, which irrigates much of the southwest, including California and Arizona, is currently weathering the effects of the mega drought, according to the Arizona Department of Water Resources. And a new study says the mega drought in the southwest has broken yet another record. According to the study published in the science journal Nature, from 2000 to this year, the drought has marked the driest period in the southwest since at least 800 AD. Now that study goes on to say that the drought will likely persist through this year, matching the duration of the mega drought of the late 1500s. Now the Justice Department is moving to dismiss an antitrust indictment against the remaining defendants in an alleged chicken price fixing case. The two remaining defendants are former Pilgrim's Pride executives. They, along with others, were charged back in 2021. In July, a Colorado jury found three other Pilgrim's Pride executives and two executives of Claxton Poultry not guilty in a third trial in the case. Now that's after two earlier mistrials. Pilgrim's Pride agreed to pay a $110.5 million in 2020 after pleading guilty to the Justice Department's price-fixing charges. An update on high pathogenic avian influenza cases in the U.S. Last week, APHIS confirmed additional cases in two commercial turkey meat flocks. Now that includes over 71,000 head in Beetle County, South Dakota, and more than 47,000 head in Utah. That makes 240 commercial flocks confirmed during this current outbreak. Now, the recent discovery in a chicken flock in Madison County, Arkansas, has prompted fresh trade restrictions from that and bordering counties. Now, countries impacted include New Zealand, India, Jordan, Mexico, Qatar, and Singapore. Flip Your Soil on Ag Day is brought to you by ESN Smart Nitrogen. This week, we're looking at ways that you can flip your soil to make it more productive. Ag Day's Michelle Rook shows us how farmers can get started. Clinton farmers realize the benefits of improving soil health on their farm. However, sometimes they just need help implementing some of these practices. We talked to one agronomist who says they need to approach soil health offensively. Mitch Hoare with Continuum Ag says farmers can start small, but the key is to keep the principles of soil health in mind. And that includes improving the microbiological activity and resilience of the soil by adopting what Mother Nature intended. And we got to do that by minimizing disturbance, chemical and physical, keep armor on the soil, keep a living root as much as we can, get as much diversity into the system as possible, maybe integrate livestock back out onto the land. He says farmers need to approach soil health offensively instead of defensively. Cover crops and no-till have been branded wrong. They've been branded as defensive management tools, defense against erosion, defense against water quality problems, but really to actually make these systems work. That cover crop is my offensive tool. It's my nutrient stabilizer. It's my herbicide program. It's my moisture management program. It's my soil building program. It's my resiliency program. And he says most importantly, farmers need to implement these soil health practices within the context of their own farm to ensure success. All right, thanks, Michelle. Now she'll be right back to discuss the start of the trading week for commodity markets. That'll be our Markets Now report. And later, USDA is excited about Climate Smart Ag. We'll hear from some researchers in Tennessee and what they think it can do to help farmers balance out their production in the country. We're getting a better snapshot about what the American farmer looks like these days. USDA's Economic Research Service creating this graphic. It's a look at the percent of farmers under the age of 55 broken down by farm size. Now what it shows is that 75% of all farm operations are still run by a principal operator over 55. 
but roughly a quarter are now younger than that. Now compare that to self-employed workers in other industries where 63% are actually younger than 55. Breaking it down by group in 2020, mid-sized family farms, which you see there in green, and smaller operations where the farmer's primary job was something other than farming there in blue, well, they saw the largest number of operators under 55. Researchers say improved health and advances in farm equipment are helping people to farm later in life than previous generations. Corn futures slid amid pressure from the accelerating harvest and concerns over export demand. Agnes Michelle Rook is back with a look at markets right now. Monday's market closes higher in livestock mix to lower in the grains. Arlen Sunerman with Stonex Group is here to visit about that. And Arlen, let's talk about the grain trade first. Risk on day, a sharply lower dollar, but yet we couldn't hold on to any gains in the grains. Yeah, it was a really frustrating day. But then again, the VIX is still high. The VIX is still trading around 31. I've observed over the last 30 to 40 years. When the VIX is above 30, it's very difficult. And the VIX is Wall Street's fear index. So it's showing the level of fear on Wall Street. And when fund managers have a high level of fear, they're very reluctant to put money into the so-called riskier assets, which is what we're interested in the agricultural sector. And so with the VIX trading around 31, even though the stock market was doing well, I've seen this over the last week that the VIX has been staying high. There's still a high level of fear there. And it's very difficult to sustain a rally in any commodity unless that asset has a strong imminent story. And right now they don't see any of these ags as having an imminent story. They may at some point, but not right now. And so it's making it really tough to really sustain any strength there. Yeah, export inspection certainly didn't help, especially corner wheat, right? Yeah, it really did not. We're having trouble competing with the strong dollar, even though it was down sharply today. It's still a strong dollar near 20-year highs. And many of our customers have even weaker currencies relative to ours. And then when anything that has to go down to Mississippi River, barge freights are just absolutely unbelievably high. And that's making it tough to compete. And if you look even at the good soybean numbers, uh, the overwhelming majority of those were forced to the Pacific Northwest in order to make it in, to China uh, because we can't get enough down the Mississippi River. And all of that increased costs and making it tough for us to compete on the world market. Livestock had a good update, though. Was that all technical buying? Some of it was technical. If you look at the hog numbers, for example, uh, we had finished doing a, a lot of liquidation of fund positions. And so we had a big rally last week. We're starting to feel more comfortable. The slaughter numbers are coming in below what we anticipated US, based on USDA numbers for some time now. And that's giving us a real boost overall. And then when you look at the cattle numbers, good cash market there too. Thanks so much. That's Arlen Suderman with StoneX and more Ag Days coming up. Contact Arlen Suderman by email at arlen.suderman at intlfcstone.com. Just to give you an idea about how dry it is still in parts of Texas, more than 70 cars were destroyed by a grass fire in Tipple, Texas over the weekend. The cars were parked in a grassy field at the Robinson Family Farms Fall Festival celebration. The Bell County Fire Marshal believes someone discarded a cigarette in dry grass, sparking the blaze. Now, Bell County is under burn ban because of extreme drought conditions. Fortunately, no one was injured. 
Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire joining us here, uh, talking about how cold it's been, but it's also been pretty dry down there in Texas. Uh, does this jet stream bring any moisture through the middle of the country? Yeah, we're really hoping for that, but it really doesn't look like it. That low is eventually going to depart. We're going to see a zonal flow kind of setting up across the plain states, and that's really not going to allow and many systems kind of work its way through parts of the mid portion of the country. And again, we continue to watch though that uh, low pressure system across the Great Lakes, and then we'll be watching again that zonal pattern kind of uh, beginning to show up here once we go throughout the mid portion of this week. That'll finally kick out that chillier weather across parts of the Midwest Great Lakes and even up across the uh, New England uh, states here. And once this uh, zonal pattern takes shape, it'll last about a day or two. And I think we'll get some slight ridging here across parts of the Great Lakes and northeastern states, which will allow at least early fall light temperatures and more milder temperatures to come back into play. But as that little ridge begins to build on in towards uh, this upcoming weekend, we'll be watching a little bit of a dip in the jet stream. A trough will start to develop and that could provide some moisture chances to uh, parts of the Pacific uh, Northwest here as we go throughout the uh, end of this weekend and starting off next week. And we could even see that extending across parts of the northern plains and the northern portions here of the Intermountain West as well. Something that will continue to keep our eyes on. Here's a look at our high temperatures this afternoon. Again, you can kind of see the influence here of that. The trough right now across the Midwest and Great Lakes. Highs today are going to be well below average. In fact, 10 to if not 20 plus degrees below average across to some parts of the area. And as we go on into tomorrow morning, Got this. We're going to wake up the temperatures uh, close to near freezing from Cincinnati up towards Rochester over towards Chicago as we head on into uh, tomorrow morning. And then finally, we start to see that uh, trough beginning to weekend and we're going to start to tap into some of those 70s out to west and that will begin to work its way back on into parts of the Midwest and Great Lakes estates. Putting this into motion here onto the future radar here again. There's that swirl that low pressure system associated with that cold front that'll begin to push its way out and we'll be watching this domes of high pressure starting to come back into play here once we get towards the end of this week and eventually this warm front will begin to work its way eastward with that upper level ridge and that'll finally kick out that early winter taste feel across parts of the Great Lakes, Midwest and New England states. That's a look around the country. Now let's take a look at your select Ag Day cities. Going to Butler, Pennsylvania, rain and snow showers likely high temperature 45 degrees. Ironwood, Michigan, rain and snow showers 35, just a few degrees above freezing and going over into Oklahoma, sunny and cooler high near 60. Protests, they come in all shapes and sizes. Up next, why these people in the UK are dumping milk on the floor. And later, how Tennessee researchers are working to protect farmers from changes in climate in the country. Ag Day, brought to you by Rumensen. Rumensen's quality, consistency, and efficiency make it the right choice for your cattle operation. Rumensen, trusted by generations. Protesters in the UK appear to be targeting the Dairy Isle, a group called Animal Rebellion, pouring milk on the floor of shops across the United Kingdom over the weekend. The group says it was to protest the government's lack of support for farmers in the transition to a, quote, plant-based future, end quote. Several videos made their way online over the weekend, showing a coordinated effort across several different cities in the UK. The group targeting big supermarket chains, including Whole Foods and Harrods, 
Four people were arrested at one of the stores and charged with assault and criminal damage. Also overseas, French food company Danone is looking to exit from its dairy food business in Russia. Reuters reporting the write-off could cost up to $978 million, says the company would be offloading a business that represents about 90% of its operation in Russia. It will still maintain its infant nutrition unit. Danone said in a statement the Russian dairy unit accounted for about 5% of the group's net sales in the first nine months of this year. The company hasn't said to whom the business would be transferred. It says the board has just started the process that will lead to a transaction that could be a full sale or partial sale. Companies, including Nestle and Procter & Gamble, they continue to provide essential food and medicine there in Russia. From too dry to too wet, too hot or too cold, farmers are constantly battling the climate. Up next, a look at what researchers are studying to help farmers protect their production in the country. Farmers are constantly looking for more efficient ways to grow their crops, and as Charles Denny reports, scientists at the University of Tennessee's Institute of Agriculture are working with them to do that and help lessen the harm any climate changes can have on what they produce. This year, West Tennessee saw way too much rain, followed by not enough, and then way too much again. Here are photos of a late growing season flood in Milan. Experts believe variations in rainfall totals, along with increased temperatures and high carbon dioxide levels, are the result of changes to our climate. Producers note the changes too. Seems like we're either real wet or real dry. Yeah. You know, it's hard to it's hard to hit where you need to be. Not just on crops, pastures same way, hay. It's it's a big impact on everything. But there are steps farmers can take to protect their land and still have a livelihood. Climate smart agriculture was a main topic at the recent Milan No-Till Field Day, hosted by UT Ag Research and UT Extension. No-Till agriculture itself focuses on a climate condition, too much rain, which can cause soil erosion. In No-Till, farmers plant on the residue of past crops, which reduces runoff. Producers can help the environment through conservation tillage, something many have already been doing for decades. So if, if farmers don't protect the land that we have and are, are stewards to, uh, we're gonna cost ourselves money but trying to get that crop to grow the next year. So anything we can do to keep the soil intact and the soil health high is gonna be a benefit to us years, for years and years in the future. UTIA soil scientist Forbes Walker says all plants like these row crops will release some carbon into the atmosphere at night. One way to offset climate change is to put carbon back in the soil. In climate smart agriculture, we're basically looking at ways where we can sequester more carbon. And obviously no-till in combination with the cover crops, we know we're gonna sequester more carbon. Uh, one of the other things that we're, we're looking at doing with climate smart agriculture is mitigating the effects of the major greenhouse gases. Other climate smart presentations here focused on more efficient use of nitrogen in crops, how to reduce nitrogen losses, and how to safely increase production while benefiting the environment. So one of the outcomes of climate smart agriculture is to increase productivity. We want to make sure we don't run into an issue where we have food insecurity. 
That's the needed end result. More efficient ways to grow our food and still protect the earth that provides for us. This is Charles Denny reporting. All right, thanks, Charles. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in from all of us here at Ag Day. Have a great day.